0: That's what we call a cold end. when that song ends, it's end. It's gone. It's over. It's, it's, it's nada. It's it's, you you the got blank the idea. check.
1: Big goose egg. <laughs> Zero. check.
0: I don't know about that. 706, good morning. This is BS.show. I'm Shelly. She's Brad. Together we make BS. And we are dang proud of it. I'm to tell you. Okay. Two things. We were not on the air yesterday. I no, w- we were not. I will tell you the reason for this. The reason for this was that Shelly, for a number of years, used to work at the FAA. And, you know, like if you're in the Army, once you're out of the Army, they still have like you still they have the chance. They have the ability to recall you like like some, something yes. bad would happen. You can be called back in the military, all the branches. Shelley got called and she won't admit this, but she called got called back in the service Monday night. And Shelley won't talk about this because she's a brave person. They called at the Lambert Tower. They had her come in and they had her up there in the tower. She was helping all the planes on the west coast because you know why why they grounded all the planes on the west coast on monday night did you know this story why true story they had what they call a ground stop where it's the same exact thing that happened during 9-11 it's like a picket line well no after after they had after they they realized we were under attack they had a ground stop, which meant all the aircraft that were flying were ordered to immediately fly to the closest airport, even though they were like flying from Washington, D.C. to San Francisco, they had to find the closest airport in land. This is what happened Wednesday or excuse me, Monday night on the West Coast where and it wasn't long. It was only about 10 or 12 minutes. All the planes that were waiting to take off were told to sit on the runway, sit on the taxiway, not move. And the planes that were in the air were instructed to fly, fly to their nearest airport and land. Because of Bullhead. What's that? Bullhead. You know, the the weirdo, the, the North Korean guy, Kim Jong, whatever his name oh, is. Oh, yes, yes, yes. He fired another one of his missiles. He and, did? Yes. And this was picked up on radar. And the trajectory of the missile looked like it was heading to the United States. Because... When you look at the the map of the world, when you go across the Pacific Ocean, guess who's on the other side of the Pacific Ocean? It's Japan, it's Korea, it's China, places like that. So that's why they had a ground stop on Monday night, because when this missile first took off, and once again, most civilized countries, and I use that in quote marks, uh, if they do this, they will, they will tell the other countries, hey, you know, the United States does this. Most of the other countries do it as well, too. It's such and such a time at our base in XYZ, lat blah, 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 blah. We're going to be firing this test missile. It's going to be headed to the northeast, and it's going to go to our gunnery range that's lat blah, 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 blah. And the duration of the flight will be 12 minutes, okay? Not the North Koreans. They just fire stuff off. And everybody has to figure out well, what's going on. Are they shooting us down? Are they gonna bomb us? Is there a missile coming to us? And once again, it ended up in the waters between uh, the Korean Peninsula and Japan. So you know those poor Japanese people—they're like right across the right across the water from that crazy nut in North Korea. You know, I don't—that would bother me. You know what I mean? That would be like that would be like somebody in East St. Louis deciding they're going to fire missiles into downtown St. Louis. You know? <laughs> it's like, you never know when it's coming across the river, right? You're like, right there. You could be in one of the high rises, and you go like, oh, my God, there goes a missile. Looks like it's heading toward Chesterfield. Oh, my God, that would never do in Chesterfield, because that would mean the property values would go down. It's got to be heading somewhere where the property's values would never go down, because they're already real low.
1: Kinloch. <laughs>
0: You said it. I didn't. Oh, what's left of Bridgeton? God, I
1: guess. Yeah. God, that's tragic. Yeah,
0: what's left of Bridgeton? Okay. That's number one. FAA number two. is So So, thank you very much for your service, Shelly. She got called into action. She went up there in the air traffic control tower, and she was, like, telling all those planes on the West Coast, hey, I'm here in St. Louis, but if you can hear me on the West Coast, land right now.
1: Yeah, that's about how it happened. <laughs>
0: Absolutely not. <laughs> Can you imagine, though? I mean, think about that. You're a pilot and you're flying, and that rarely ever happens. And once again, they don't give an excuse when the, when the air traffic controller tells you. They essentially say there's a ground stop in process or in progress. You must land immediately. And it's not like, you know, you don't, you're, you're the pilot. You go, hey, well, tell us the reason why. Otherwise, we're not landed. No, you just land. You don't ask why. You just do as you're told, right? And once again, yes. when you're flying the air traffic controllers, they are God. If they tell you to do something, you had better do it. And if you don't, guess what? You're going to be filling out a lot of forms. and you That might is even, true. You might even lose your license. <laughs> you, ever, you, ever, you, you knew a bunch of the air traffic controllers, right? I did. And, you know, I don't quite get this thing. In, in being a pilot, there's a whole thing with some pilots are, like, real arrogant to the air traffic controllers. I'm thinking to myself, why would you do that? You know, because they can sort of make your life miserable. You know, if you're not nice to them, you know they'll tell you to circle the field for 12 minutes or something like that. You know like, Well, you know, I, I go, you know, circle, orbit the field, and I'm going to go get, I'm going to get another cup of coffee. You just stay up there and flying around, right? I know they pretty wouldn't. much. One of the interesting things is I'm an aviation freak. You know, even though I haven't flown in years, last time I flew was with the St. Louis County Police Helicopter guys, and that was so much fun. Uh, anyway, uh, there's a thing, an issue. This happened many times and unfortunately it's caused many deaths that a pilot will be having some kind of a problem, low on fuel or something like that, a technical, technical problem, and he's close to like an army base, an Air Force base, or something like that. Matter of fact, there's a a famous case of a doctor who was up in the northeast and he was flying from one location to another and he wasn't an instrument rated pilot, he was a VFR pilot, which means he could you know he could only fly when when he could see so many miles. You can't, you know, he can't fly with he, he did he couldn't fly by instruments. And he got socked in. A, a weather front came in, and he got socked in, and he was trying to find a field to land at, and he was going and he contacted the air traffic controller at the Dover Air Force Base, and he radioed to her. You can actually hear the recordings there on a bunch of different websites. And he recorded. He went to her and said, said um, uh, I'm low on fuel. I need to land immediately. And she said, and she did it properly. She says, sir, this is an Air Force base, and you're not permitted to land here. All he had to do was, I'm declaring an emergency, and I would like to land at your field. And then immediately, everything changes. Once you declare an emergency, you can land anywhere. You can land at Scott Air Force Base. You can land at Whiteman Air Force Base out in, near Sedalia. I mean, I don't care where it is. You can land. Area 51, eh, you might get in trouble for that one. But, <laughs> but still, they're not going to shoot you or anything like that. And the guys won't declare an emergency because you know why?
1: Okay, why? It's not manly. I'm sorry?
0: It's not manly.
1: To declare an emergency? Yes.
0: Yes. It's like you're acting like a wimp.
1: So it's like not asking for directions as well.
0: Exactly. And they talk about this all the time in training classes that never be afraid to declare an emergency. If you're a pilot and you're flying and you've got a problem, declare an emergency because at that point the air traffic controller focuses their attention on you and typically they will put other if they're working like like the st louis tower if like somebody would declare emergency coming to st louis tower they will essentially tell all the planes that are getting ready to take off to essentially stay on the runway or stay on the taxiway anybody who's attempting a landing they'll ask them to to, depending if they're like almost like landing they'll let them land but then they'll, they'll essentially freeze everything and they'll concentrate on that particular incident because it's a life and death emergency and and you know a lot of times guys won't do that because they're afraid well i'm not going to declare an emergency they'll think i'm a wimp and this this classic story is this doctor was going from one city to the other to perform an operation and he got socked in in some fog and and contacted the dover air force base air air traffic controller and and she told him as she should have it's it's an air force base and civilian pilots are not allowed to land there. It's just procedural. That's the procedure. And Then he should have immediately said, uh, you know, whatever his call sign was, ABC, you know, fifteen seventy five whiskey. I'm declaring emergency. And then immediately she changes and she goes, sir, you know, uh, you know, you're five point two miles southwest of the field. Uh, you know, uh, turn left, giving you know, giving a vector to turn into the runway. You know, you're cleared to land. Bang, right away doesn't happen because guys won't do that just like you said they won't ask for directions because it's being a wimp anyway how do you get talking about that okay you don't know i'm gonna talk about this and this is i'm gonna throw you for a loop on this one okay
1: why 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 are you gonna do that
0: um hold on a to look at my notes here we're in break number four right since we started the new the new um Podcast, I gotta make sure I'm doing everything right. Okay. There was a time when Sandy Brown, who is now the president of Gateway Creative Broadcasting, which owns 991 mm-hmm. Joy FM, which sometimes mm-hmm. we kid about because of the fact that the worst drivers on the highway have Joy FM bumper stickers on, right? <laughs> True. <laughs> if somebody passes you and they run you off the road and you you catch their bumper sticker or it's on their rear window sticker, it's probably a Joy 99 sticker. I guess because, because they think that they got their sticker on that God's their co-pilot and they don't have to worry about driving. Okay, when they first bought 99.1, I remember the first weekend they were on the air, she comes on, hi, this is Sandy Brown. And once again, wonderful woman. I know her personally. Talked to her, I guess, about a year or so ago. Wonderful person. Very, you know, very, uh, uh, very smart lady. Great broadcaster. Been in the business a long time. Back since the 80s. Okay, so she went on the air and she said, Hi, this is Sandy Brown, and we're so happy that we were on uh, this new frequency. We bought the station 99.1, but we found out a problem that now we've, we realize we have an old transmitter, and it's not in very good shape, and we need a new transmitter. So we're asking you... Our new listeners on 99.1 to donate money so we can buy our new transmitter. Our new transmitter only cost eighty-nine thousand dollars, and this weekend, all weekend long, we're going to ask you to make a donation so we can buy our new transmitter to keep us on the air on our new frequency of 99.1. Okay? I think okay. it was—I think it was six hours later they had a new transmitter.
1: Doesn't surprise me.
0: <laughs> Everybody was giving them money. Okay, so this is Brad. And I'm going to, I'm going to just, this is, I'm not going to say this is going to happen. I'm just going to say, I'm going to do my routine. Hi, this is Brad. And yeah, I'm the guy here at KSOQ. And you know what? Our transmitter has been on the air 24 hours a day, seven days a week since 2009. And you know what? It's still on the air right at this very minute. If you're listening to 104.5, you know, it's still on the air because you can hear me, but you know what? It's seen better days. Yes, it's seen better days. Matter of fact, it won't go to full power anymore, which means it's starting to die. So we need a new transmitter. So, and here's my idea, Shelley. Instead of asking for people to donate, we only need $13,000 for a new transmitter. We sell 13 transmitter packages of advertising. So we get 13 advertisers that would spend $1,000 with us to advertise, and we take that money and we put it into a special fund, and when we get our 13th advertiser, we order our new transmitter. What do you think?
1: I think it sounds great.
0: So so do you, do you really? Seriously? Yeah. Have I talked to you about this before?
1: We discussed it.
0: No, not not going on the air talking about asking no, for... No,
1: no, no, you haven't.
0: We have a transmitter problem. We do. And I sent you a couple emails
1: specs, early yes. this
0: morning. And did you see what it said? This is not the the original company we talked to the other day. This is this is our buddies up in Quincy, Illinois at Broadcast. Oh, I
1: did see that. We'll always have Quincy. At
0: Broadcast Electronics, which is interesting. And I asked him, I said, "Here we go again. I'm trying to save every penny I can." He gave me a price on a transmitter, $13,000 for a new transmitter. And I said to him, "If I come to pick it up in Quincy, will that save me the shipping charges?" And he said, Unfortunately, it'll save you the shipping charges, but since you're coming to pick it up in Illinois, we'll have to charge you sales tax.
1: I thought that that wasn't the case if you were um, bordering um, another state.
0: No, if you that it's going to if you take delivery of it in that state, you have to pay sales tax. So if I were to drive up to Quincy and pick up the transmitter, they would charge me sales tax, and then at point it comes down to which is cheaper. To have it shipped, or just to go pick it up and just n- get the sales tax. And I would imagine getting it shipped would probably be cheaper because of the fact that sales tax you're probably going to pay. You know, seven, eight percent. Figure that out. Let's say ten percent of, of thirteen thousand dollars would be thirteen hundred dollars. I don't think it's going to cost them thirteen hundred dollars to ship the transmitter. Probably, you know, two, three, four hundred to a dollars. But I'm thinking to myself, isn't that weird? You know, you just can't go pick something up. You know, normally if they shipped it, there would be no sales tax but since you pick it up in Illinois there's sales tax so I guess they just ship it anyway so you think we're going go here and, and do our campaign maybe maybe I can call up Sandy Brown and see if I can say hi this is Sandy Brown once upon a time we needed a new transmitter a joint 99 and I got on the air and asked for donations, and in, in like six hours, we got $89,000. So now I'm over here in KSLQ, and even though this Brad Hildebrand's a heathen, and I don't really like him much, and he doesn't go to church, Stop and it. he doesn't listen to our station, and he makes fun of the way our our listeners drive. you know, They do. We want you to send money to Brad so he can buy a new transmitter for KSLQ. You think she'd do that? <laughs> Chances are... Um, um,
1: I, I've never met her, I've, nor have I ever had a conversation with her, so I really don't know what type of person she is.
0: Nicest lady in the world. I mean, super nice and super smart. I mean, super, super smart. Great broadcaster. I mean, knows her stuff, knows the radio business. And like, Now she's actually, I think she's president. She's president of the whole operation now, which is like, they've got like four stations now. So you know, she's like big time. I remember when she was just, you know, she's still on the air in the mornings. She's on, she's on the air right now. She's one of our competitors. Do you know Who? Sandy Brown? She's on the air right now. Is she? Yeah, on the huh? air right now. We should call her up. <laughs> yeah, I don't think she'd take my call. <laughs> but she wouldn't know. You could fool her. God, and they make some money at that place. Oh my God, they make some money. I'm jealous of that. In 2019, 11 million dollars in donations. 11 million dollars in donations. Can you believe that? I'd just take a fraction of it. <laughs> I mean, I take, I take, I take ten percent of that and be a happy camper. <laughs> That'd be yeah, one point yeah. one million dollars. I mean, can you imagine what we do with one point one million dollars? We'd be able to buy a couple more radio stations. We'd we be able would. to. We'd be we'd able have to have
1: everything just as it should be.
0: We'd be able to buy Brian Richardson and have him work the drive-through at McDonald's. You want fries with that?
1: <laughs> I wouldn't take fries from that man.
0: Oh boy, listen to you. Okay. <laughs> I won't, <laughs> I won't touch that one. Okay. so the truth. So you like my idea. I do. The smartest woman in the world says, you are weird to think no one would expect to pay sales tax buying something in another state. Well, once again.
1: I thought that that was because I remember going down to Oklahoma City yeah. and getting a Henry Don furniture and having them ship it right. to St. Louis, and we didn't have to pay sales tax.
0: When you went to pick it up? Or you had it shipped? When it's shipped. Well, but see, here's the weird part of that. In the state of Missouri, if we would buy it in the state of Missouri as a piece of broadcast equipment, we don't have to pay sales tax. We're exempt. Did you know that?
1: I did not.
0: Broadcasters are exempt from sales tax in the state of Missouri if it's a piece of equipment because we're deemed to be manufacturers. Manufacturers don't pay sales tax because... They are using the product to produce another product. And in the state of Missouri, broadcasters are deemed to be manufacturers that we are manufacturing. You and, Ryan and I right now got our hard hats on. We got our steel toe shoes on because we're manufacturing this show.
1: <laughs> I can see that.
0: Just think, right now, you and I are manufacturing BS. hmm <laughs> <laughs> think about that for a minute. Normally, when you think of BS being manufactured, it's usually like like in a bowl. You know what I mean?
1: Like a BM.
0: <laughs> like like it's in a bowl because you know what comes out of bowl? BS, right? What? <laughs> what comes out of a bowl but BS? Think about it for a minute.
1: Oh, a bowl. A <laughs> bowl. <I laughs> a bowl. No, and a, I'm
0: like a bowl. B U L L.
1: Okay, I got it.
0: <laughs> what's the product that the bull produces
1: nope
0: <laughs> you're not gonna touch that one no good okay
1: <laughs> say thank you shelly
0: i'm not gonna say thank you because i was hoping you'd say and i had to hit the bleep button so you wouldn't you know like you've done four times before i had to hit the bleep button the only problem you did
1: is, not have to hit the bleep button
0: yeah the reason is we don't have one so <laughs> it's 725
1: it is